0: begin a new series. I want to teach for the next two months, God willing, as the Holy Spirit leads me. I want to begin to teach on prayer. Uh, this year, one of the, our goals as we pursue discipleship is to emphasize prayer. We've been emphasizing this, each one discipling one, we're emphasizing prayer, we're emphasizing evangelism and so forth. And, uh, I want to begin to teach on prayer and, uh, really help us, Um, in this area. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the scripture says, and they continue steadfastly in the apostles' teaching and breaking of bread and prayers. And, um, you know, prayer is such an important part of uh, ministry. My phone is playing music. Yeah. Prayer is such an important part of ministry and such an important part of our lives as believers that it is essential that it is strong in us. That scripture I refer to Acts 2 42, they continue steadfast in the apostles doctrine, breaking of bread, fellowship and prayers as one of the four pillars of any church. It is also one of the major pillars of your life as a believer. So we're going to look at that. Turn with me to Luke chapter 11 verses 1 to 13. I've left my glasses somewhere, so just bear with me. Just look spiritual as I look for my glasses. Are you guys cold? Who's cold? It's freezing, isn't it? Well, they're going to turn on the gas heater, so it might smell a bit of gas, so don't worry. Can you handle the smell of gas for a little bit and be warm? Yeah, I think I can as well. All right, so Luke chapter 11 From verses 1 to 13. It's a long read. So, what we're going to do, we're going to lay some foundations on the issue of prayer uh, today. And Next week, we have a guest, and then the next three Sundays or so, two Sundays um, when I teach, and then next month when I teach, we'll continue. The last Sunday of this month, we have a joint service um, with the rest of the churches in Lambeth, so obviously, we won't be here, but what we what we are going to be doing is just looking at this issue of prayer and we're going to use these verses these portions of scripture and another portion of scripture as the foundation upon which we'll be building luke chapter 11 from verses 1 to 13. it says now it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he sees that one of his disciples said to him lord teach us to pray as john also taught his disciples So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek. And you will find, knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Amen. All right, so Luke chapter 11, 1 to 13. These verses I've read are really can be broken down into four key elements when it comes to prayer. Uh, Firstly, the need to learn about prayer. Secondly, the model prayer that we are instructed to use. Three, our attitude that we are to have in prayer. And number four, our expectation from praying. Now, I appreciate that normally we give out the notes and so forth. And um, I didn't give it out. I will give it out after this teaching because I was told I was preaching last night. or well, yesterday, yesterday in the morning, not last night. So, I've prepared the notes, but I haven't handed it out. So, please forgive me. So you're going to have to do some writing, all right? Say to your neighbor, you have to write this time. Come on, tell him. Yeah, so you have to make notes, you know, this time, all right? So four things, again, out of these verses, the need to learn about prayer, the model prayer, our attitude in prayer. In other words, the kind of attitude we should have when we're praying and what we should expect, our expectations are of prayer. So the first thing I want to emphasize is the need to learn about prayer. Prayer is one of those um, disciplines that you can easily think you know everything you need to know about it. After all, prayer is communication with God. You sharing your heart to God and God speaking His heart to you. That's what prayer is. It's communication with God. And one would say... Once I tell God what I want to tell him, why do I need to know anything else? But there's so much surrounding prayer that in Luke chapter 11, verse 1, after they observed our Lord praying, the apostles said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John also taught his disciples. You see, one of the things about prayer is that it is both taught and also it is caught. You have to learn about prayer and you also have to catch the spirit of prayer. Can you lower me a little bit, please? It's a bit loud over here. Is it loud for you? Is it all right? Okay, fine, it's a bit loud here, so lower it here. Prayer is both taught and caught. And many times, sincere believers pray out of ignorance of the word of God or the will of God. So although your heart is right in your praying, because of lack of knowledge about what God's word says or God's expectations or the dynamics surrounding prayer, we get it wrong. I'll give you an example. For instance, there is a difference how we pray on our own and how we pray with other people around us. There's a huge difference. And often I see people don't even appreciate the difference at all so the way a person will pray privately when they come in a group setting they want to pray that way in a group setting and uh, either sometimes our sensibilities are insulted because the group setting does not quite suit us or we ourselves are insensitive about those around us because this is how we pray are you still here so the disciples observed our Lord's prayer life and recognized the secret behind everything that he was doing was in his prayer life. As you probably heard it said, they didn't ask him, teach us how to cast our demons. They didn't ask him, teach us how to perform miracles. They didn't ask him, teach us how to minister the word. They asked him, teach us how to pray, just like John the um, Baptist taught his disciples. So they understood their need to learn about prayer. Beloved, you need to appreciate that you have to learn and grow in understanding when it comes to prayer. After 32 years this June of walking with the Lord, I can honestly say every time, almost every time I come before him, it feels like I'm starting all over again. And we've been pressing hard for the last 30 years, since 84. We got saved in 82. But since 84, we've been pressing hard. But I tell you, honestly, Monday mornings, I still feel like I need to start again. I need to learn, Dad, I'm, I'm here again. Come on, you can see how empty I am right now. Help me. The third thing is that Prayer was such a dynamic that even the sages of old taught their disciples. The Pharisees taught their disciples how to pray as a Pharisee. John the Baptist taught his disciples how to pray. And they were known by how they prayed because the disciples of our Lord says, Teach us the way John taught his disciples. Beloved, who's teaching you? Because our series today is the disciple. And his prayer life if you are a disciple of the Lord Jesus who has taught you about prayer and what kind of results do you see when you pray you see at times we are praying about things God will never answer or we are praying about things we already have so Lord I pray that today you will make me righteous you already have righteousness you don't need to ask for righteousness it is imputed by grace lord i pray that today you will um make me holy well actually god is not god makes you holy positionally but you make yourself holy through consecration there are things we pray about that god will not answer because eyes they're already ours or they are not within the remit of God to give to us. There are things that God will not do for you that you are supposed to do for yourself. I find it very interesting when Peter faced Dorcas to raise her from the dead, he copied what Jesus did. You see, when our Lord raised Teletha from the dead, he, or the, the girl he called Talitha, because in the G- Greek is, is Talitha, is little girl. So when he raised her from the dead, he, he, the Bible says he cleared the room and only took with him Peter, James, and John. And then they went into the room and then he prayed and then he spoke to the girl. He spoke to the girl. So when, when, when Peter went to raise Dorcas from the dead, he cleared the room, he prayed, and then he spoke to Dorcas. He saw something that our Lord did and he copied it. So, we need to be taught how to pray. And there are people who know how to pray and there are people who do not know how to pray. And you are either learning properly or you're learning poorly. So, that's the first point about our need. And let me tell you this, no matter how much you grow in the Lord, There is always a lot to learn about prayer. There's always a lot to learn about prayer. I mean, this series I'm going to do, I will not touch on much. Uh, uh, Last year, I spent about six to eight weeks teaching on praying in the Spirit. Just praying in the Spirit. How many of you went? Anyone? About five of us, yeah? And uh, it was a very good teaching. So I don't want to really repeat any of those things, to be honest with you. Uh, you should have been there. You never came, and so maybe one day in the in heaven you can look back and see what I taught. <clears throat> the second thing, when they asked the Lord, "Teach us how to pray," He gave them model prayer. He gave the model prayer. So Luke chapter two, verses sorry, Luke eleven verses two to four, He outlines for us key components of prayer. And the need for these components to be in the right order. Now, here in Luke, he said, say. So, this prayer, you can literally recite this prayer, and it's okay. It has a lot of power when it's recited with understanding. But in, in Matthew, he says, after this manner, therefore, pray. In other words, it's a pattern of prayer. So, there are some key components in these, in these prayers that the Lord is showing us that, that when you are praying, pray with this kind of order in your heart. So let's read the prayer. And we'll outline the components. Verse 2. So he said to them, when you pray, say, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation. Actually, I've just quoted the King James and mixed the new King James. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who are indebted to us and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from, evil, from the evil one. And he stops there. Now in Matthew he says for thine is the kingdom the power and the glory forever and ever. But in Luke these components here really summarize key things that are necessary in prayer. Eight key elements necessary in our hearts or in, in their right order. And the order is important. So the first thing is our relationship with God. Our relationship with God. In prayer you must have The right relationship with God. What does that mean? You address him as your father, your heavenly father. He is your heavenly father. So you come to him out of relationship. So important. Because of the the new covenant that our Lord has, has established, we now are adopted sons and daughters. We are in covenant relationship with him. He's our heavenly father, our spiritual father. He's the true spiritual father. Not some of this thing, uh, Joseph is my spiritual father. Uh, Not that kind of spiritual father. Uh, That one is kind of, uh, uh, it's okay, but it's not this. So don't be praying to our father Joseph. It's mad. (laughs) Or, you know, pastor so-and-so, or bishop so-and-so is my father, or brother so-and-so. No, no, no. We have one Father, God. One Heavenly Father, God. Second thing is, so you establish relationship. The second thing that must be established in your heart is reverence for God. Hallowed be your name. Hallowed. In other words, your name must be seen as holy or sacred or unique or above every other name. It's reverence for God. Beloved, He is our father, but we must respect him and we must respect his name. What does it mean to hallow his name? You consider it or you see it as sacred, reverent. You see his name as above every name. The name of God speaks really of who, who he is, what he's like, his character, his authority, the honor he possesses and what he represents. The name of God speaks of his nature. His personality so when you say hallow be your name what you're really saying is God you are the boss I respect you I place you at the place at the place of supreme authority over my life so he's our Heavenly Father and we honor and respect him that is the order that is the right order now the next thing is this he says thy kingdom come or your kingdom come the priority of his kingdom. In other words, in our hearts, his kingdom has first priority over everything else. Over everything else in our life. His kingdom, which is his rule, his reign, has number one priority. Your kingdom come. In other words, your kingdom must supersede everything else in my life. Everything else in our church. Everything else in our ministry. Everything else in our society. Your kingdom. So, this is the order relationship, reverence, priority of the kingdom. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Fourth key components submission to his will. Submission to his will. Now, you can make, in one sense, this may sound like a bit of an oxymoron, but you can, in one sense, say the kingdom of God is number one priority. But then when it is narrowed down to his will for you in a specific area, you resist his will. You can. How many of you know you can do that? Because I know I've done it loads of times. Where you say, you know, God's kingdom comes first. God's kingdom comes first. But just do not send me to Afghanistan. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, However, his will is expressed in heaven, is how we want to express here. So, this is the order of priority in our hearts relationship with God, reverence for his name, priority of his kingdom, submission to his will. Then he says, Give us this day or give us day by day our daily bread. I keep going into the King James Version. Fifth key element, request for daily provision. Notice it is daily provision. It's daily provision for a reason, because God wants us to commune with him every day, not every other day or every week, our weekly time with God. No, every day. Daily provision, both natural and spiritual needs. In Deuteronomy 8.3, when our Lord quotes it, when he was being tempted, he said, man shall not live by bread only, but by every word, man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. By everywhere that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. We are to live spiritually and naturally by the daily supply of the Word of God and by the daily provision of our natural resources from God. Now, in our modern age, we have standing orders and bank accounts and so forth, and it's easy to rely on those things as our means of provision. But, beloved, above all of that, you must see God as your provider. Can you say amen? amen? You must see him as the one who provides for you and your family. You must see him as the one who gives you the job. You must see him as the one who holds back when you would like to move forward. Give us day by day our daily bread. And spiritually, more importantly, you must learn to receive from God on a daily basis. As you grow in the faith and as your spirit gets stronger, you will also learn to become more weaker without God. It's a paradox. The stronger you get in God, the weaker you become without God. The weaker you are in God, the stronger you are without God. You come to a place where literally, literally, without his daily presence manifest in your life, you are like, you are useless. You are like a junkie that needs his fix. You need your God fix. It sounds great, but trust me, it is uh, hard work. Six point the need for forgiveness. Now, remember, this is the model prayer. This is the way our Lord has showed us. This is the, the, the how, how to of praying. This is the order of priority that he says must be in our lives when we are praying. Notice the need for forgiveness comes before our provision. Why? Because if he was to deal with us simply based on our uh, ability to forgive, we will have nothing. A lot of us will be really hungry and we will be really in big trouble. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Now, this is dealing with relationships. This is dealing with relationships. Now, again, it is very, very important for you to understand this, that God is interested in your daily interactions. In 2 Corinthians 13, 5, he says, examine yourselves as to whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not know yourselves that Jesus Christ is in you unless indeed you are disqualified? And so, on a daily basis, you must learn to examine yourself before the Lord to see if there is anybody you are holding something against. Sometimes we like to lie to ourselves and say things like, I forgive, but I don't forget. You know, I forgive, but I want anything to do with them again. These are lies we tell ourselves in order to remain in disobedience. But the reality is this, is that God is interested in every minute relationship, any little, little friction between you and someone that affects you in such a way that you hold something against them. Yeah. And according to Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15, he says, If you do not forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also not forgive. Sorry, if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you. In other words, he expects you to release everybody. Whatever they've done, release them and let it go. When you forgive someone, really what you're saying is you are no longer holding it against them. That's it, when you forgive. Now, this is all in the context of prayer. This is all in the context of prayer. This is the way our Lord taught us to pray. Now, these components must be established in our heart. If we want to pray the way in which there is total open heavens over our lives, you know, I have discovered something very powerful and very simple, and it's this. The enemy has no authority over our lives, true, but he has no access to our lives unless we give him access some way or the other. And the way often he is able to gain access is through this, where believers hold something against somebody else and still seek to operate in their full authority. And I don't care how powerful you are, he will have you. I don't care how anointed you are, he will have you. And I have seen it so many times. Those of you who have interaction with me will know many times how I will caution you about what you allow in your heart. Because I know how powerful those things are, and what it allows the enemy access to. It may seem like I'm being picky, but I'm being picky for a reason. The seventh element is protection from temptation. He says, do not lead us into temptation. Now, why is this important? If you look at the order carefully, because, you see, if you do not forgive, you will become vulnerable to temptation. Galatians chapter 6, from verse 1. He says, brethren, if if, if someone is... If your brother is overtaken in the fall, you who are spiritual, resolve such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering also yourself, considering also yourself, considering also yourself, lest you also be tempted. What he's saying is this. When you see something wrong in somebody, be careful how you address it. Otherwise, you will open yourself to the same kind of problem. Now, again, this is all in the context of prayer. You see, I have discovered that we like... The dynamic, the dramatic. It's prayer. Inga shim. Boom, boom, ah. Yeah, it's powerful. It's prayer. Mm, Jesus. Meanwhile, the simple little thing that we need to deal with. Your wife has hurt you. The palace of the king has been locked. And you are upset. Let me tell you, forget all that praying and sort it out so that the palace gates can be open again. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 8. He says this, He that digs a pit will fall into it. And whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent. With the next 10 minutes that I have, I want to bring this to a conclusion. You dig a pit, you fall into it. If you let the hedge down, the serpent will bite you. What is that talking about? If you decide to create a problem that shouldn't be there, you'll be the one who'll fall into it. And if you allow the protection of God, that hedge of God, that is supposed to be around your life to be broken. The serpent, he will bite you. That's the devil and his demons. And this is what many believers do. They dig pits and fall into it and say, why did I fall into this pit? Instead of saying, you know what, my bad, Lord, I created a pit. And I'm in the pit. Deliver me from the pit according to the word you delivered me from the miry clay delivered thy servant from the horrible pit I created believers don't want to say that the devil is after me the devil I mean the guy must be saying you see your children they always blame me for things they do themselves whoever breaks through a wall will be bitten by a serpent if you allow the wall of protection that God has established because of the new covenant to be broken, the enemy will bite you. And there's no point. And what we do is that rather than recognizing my bad, we then create more, as the Nigerians will say, Wahala for ourselves. <laughs> By not recognizing what we did, protection from temptation. Every one of us is tempted and nobody is tempted beyond what they can handle but every temptation that comes away he makes a way of escape so that we can handle it the only problem is we don't think so there is no way of escaping this temptation you may say there is always a way of escape say to your neighbor there's always a way of escape say to him you say when I got angry I couldn't just help myself and I smashed the door you smashed the door not because you couldn't help yourself because you're a fool that's why you could help yourself you know i just couldn't help you know when she said that i just couldn't control myself that's why i slapped her with my left hand and then i slapped her with my right hand no you could help yourself you could but you didn't want to as a matter of fact as the slap was about to flow from the left hand you even realized you weren't even a left-hander but you still wanted to experience the pleasure now the last one is deliverance from the evil one. It's interesting that here he says, deliver us from the evil one. Deliverance from the evil one. You see, that's the enemy, Satan. Now, he is the orchestrator of all the demonic assignments against the church. And by the way, this prayer was not so much as an individual prayer. You know, like we, we believers, we, we Western Christians, we are very individualistic. As for me, it's me and the Lord. The Lord is between me and the Lord. He didn't say my Father in heaven. He said our Father in heaven. This prayer is for the corporate community. The evil one's strategy is not just against you as an individual. It's against the whole body of Christ. And the evil one's principalities assigned are not... Listen, I don't even think there's probably anyone here who a principality would even bother consider. Some fastball demon in your family line that probably is unemployed may be assigned to some of us. Not just us, but us and the whole family because you know, he's unemployed, so you know, you need something to do. Take this family. Because most of us, our lives have no impact to the kingdom. Or very little impact. So he ain't going to assign a principality. Now, I know for my life, he assigns a principality, the enemy. Because I am a principality. So he has to assign a principality. But when I started, he didn't assign principality. He signed some small, fastball devil that used to tempt me, and when I would be, oh Jesus, it's the guy would slap me, you know, slap me. But as time went on, but that's how it is. But it's the evil one. I don't even know. I don't even think. I could be wrong. That even the evil one even knows I'm on the earth. Satan. I don't think. They, you know, seriously, you really think. So it's not Satan who's actually attacking. It's not Satan. Sometimes you don't even need the demon. You yourself, the way you've allowed your soul to be, that last demon left you a long time ago to, to your soul because you just like the last. So he, the demon doesn't even have to be there. So when we say, come out, devil, there's no devil. Just the the, the the last of the flesh. The flesh. your flesh. Are you still here? Or have you gone home? Now, it does not mean that every time we pray, we must go through each one of these. That's not what it means. It, however, implies that if the order is wrong in our lives, our prayers will be hindered. So, for instance, if we are praying for deliverance from the evil one when we have unforgiveness in our heart you will get no deliverance are you listening to me if we are praying about provision when we disrespect God we will have no provision from him are you you hearing what I'm saying to you that's the order so we will we have to learn for instance that we have to be in submission to his will in our lives if we want him to provide for us daily. We have to be in submission. We have to be, we have to put this kingdom as number one priority in our lives if we want to be willing to do whatever he tells us. Because let me tell you, there are certain things that he will tell us because of the kingdom that are painful. I mean, there are things that the Lord allowed me to do many years ago that now he's saying to me, now, the challenge over your life, Joe, is this. You must be willing to go wherever I send you and for how long. Before, you go wherever you want to go as you feel led. Now, you go wherever I send you or wherever I want you to go or wherever you feel a leading for as long as it takes and do the assignment. Now, that kind of mandate is very costly. Don't be quick to say, I want that consult with your wife first (laughs) or your husband because it has a price. So what I'm saying is is this. The order must be right in your heart. At times we disrespect God and we want him to provide for us. It's a joke. At times we are blatantly doing things that are against his will and we are binding principalities. You're having a laugh. It doesn't work like that. Are you still here? So we're laying the foundation. All right. In conclusion. In fact, let me just add this point about forgiveness. If we want deliverance from things that are troubling us, and we have unforgiveness in our heart, and we're praying, no matter who is praying, you will not get deliverance. In Matthew 19, our Lord gives us the parable of the unforgiving servant. How this servant owed his master 10,000 talents. Now you have to understand, a hundred pence made one talent. Uh, sorry, a thousand pence made one talent. And 10,000 talents was a lot of money. And a year's wages was 200 pence. So one talent was equal to five years' wages. And this man owed 10,000 talents. He couldn't pay it. He begged for forgiveness. He was forgiven. He went out. He found a fellow worker who owed him 200 pence, or 100 pence, sorry, which is half a year's wages. That's a lot of money, isn't it? Imagine. Half a year of your salary. Some geezer owes you that money, and he ain't prepared to give it back. Say, listen, man, I want my money. Where's my money? Where's my money? Oh, and he said the same thing. Please forgive me. I'll pay you back everything. Just give me time. Said, no, 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 no. You haven't enough. You give me time. I've been giving you all this stuff. Where's my money? He said, Now, nah, if you ain't going to pay me, you're going to jail, man. You have to pay my money. So they reported him back to the king. The king called him and said, oh, you are a wicked person. You asked me to forgive you and I forgave you because you couldn't pay back. Shouldn't you have forgiven your fellow servant? Put him in prison. Put him in prison until he pays back everything. Now this statement that the Lord says is awesome and scary. Matthew 19, 35. He says this. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. A trespass is where somebody, knowing what they're doing, crosses the line. They cross the line where this is the boundary and knowingly they decide to cross it. That's a trespass. In other words, a trespass is a deliberate act being done that shouldn't be done. And he says, you must from your heart forgive. Otherwise, he says, God will hand you over to the torturers or the tormentors, which are demons, to torment you. And over the years, I've seen this happen to so many people who are demonized in an area because they refuse to forgive. They don't know they're demonized. You don't have to have a demon with horns barking at you for you to be demonized because they refuse to let go. So we're laying the foundation of prayer. This is the model prayer. Your heart must be right. And as we teach on prayer, we'll touch a lot into other areas of your life.